Before this episode of Ambivalent starts, we're going to play a song off the Mitochondriax album called I Want It All. And also please check out Jughead's podcast, Jughead's Basement, and enjoy the episode with our special guest Nick Spoon and John Jughead Pearson. <laughs> See, I'm sorry. It's hard for me to <laughs> sing that goddamn part. All right. I want it all. you paid him to be on the show but we have compliments we have... compliments tons of compliments, <laughs> <laughs> compliments. yes uh john jughead pearson is with us they um and we're just we're just thrilled we're so stoked to have you on man thank you so much for being a part of this thank you oh. both yeah no problem yeah, hey heck yeah it's super cool you are stuck with us now <laughs> yeah <laughs> well God help for you. those that, that, that don't know john he's a co-founder of Screech and Weasel is one of my favorite bands. Uh, he's in even in Blackouts, the uh, Mitochondriacs, he played the Mopes. Uh, you, dude, you you are just all over the globe with your music. Yeah, I mean, you just keep busy all the time. It's amazing. Yeah. Is that a question? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, how, how do you do it? Well, I don't, I actually feel like I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not, I don't feel like I'm not productive, but I don't, my amount of bands is is not a lot compared to like a lot of other musicians. I've just kind of stuck with the my bands for as long as they last. Yeah, so like uh, Weasel was twenty years, even Blackouts was seventeen. And Mito is only a year right now, but Mopes was never really a band, sadly. But we still, you know, we still get together occasionally. Cool. We're, we love the new Mitochondriac stuff, man, and uh, it's we're excited about you guys doing more. Uh, yeah, we actually just um, we're doing, um, you know, somebody wanted to put out a cassette uh, version of our EP. But my thing is that I, I don't like repeating myself. So we I decided I was going to put a song on the other side of the cassette, like the B side. That would be the song would be about the length of all the other songs put together. So we went in the studio last week and started that and we're finishing it next week. So it's going to be called uh, Ode to an Old Friend. I Never Want to See Your Face Again. Oh, rad. That sounds That's super awesome. interesting. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's about, we've gotten it up to 10 minutes right now. So it's supposed to be 13, but we might not make it to 13. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, like how the Vindictives did that looping or at the end of Hypno Punkno. Yeah, yeah. When I first heard that, that blew my mind. That was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Well, the idea of this was not to do that. We were just going to record it live, and I had to do all the vocals live. And 
I had Grim Deeds, if you know him, wrote a verse for me and my friend from a band called the uh, Born Shitsters out of Fukuoka, Japan, wrote a verse too. So they helped me out. But it's, it's a mouthful. It's like, it's like five pages of lyrics. So a 13 song. Yeah, that was kind of a, that, I don't know. I just, the mitochondria for me is, I'm I'll, even a blackouts was definitely my like release of whatever creative energies I had. And I wanted to continue that with mitochondria, but a little bit, a little bit more spontaneous and aggressive. So that's awesome. seemed, it seemed like a really cool challenge. And it's all about trying to fit 11 minutes of insults without repeating myself into a song. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that's, that's, that's awesome. what it is. It's basically about, yeah, it's about 11 minutes of just, insults funny insults deep insults stupid insults yeah yeah it's really it was really fun to do I, I think people will probably listen to it once and then move on but that's kind of what i designed it for you know you listen to yeah. it one time and then you move on as a uh mediocre songwriter myself i can't even imagine how you would work 15 minutes song oh no it's a lot of words <laughs> i had to actually i sat at home with a metronome trying to get all the words in and tapping to it and and then trying to get two other people's patterns that are both like fast singing people was difficult so yeah i'd imagine that's uh, awesome it was, though yeah, it was a cool challenge it was, and, and i was trying to sing each verse without uh overlapping vocals so i had to like really breathe in deep <laughs> for a lot of them. Uh, but it's cool and musically it's not it's not interesting at all but that was kind of the point it would just be this long very long simple punk song that was just insults for 13 minutes so well that's awesome i look forward to hearing it and then yeah then from there we're going to move on to a record we're, we're we have a meeting at tuesday to talk about the future of whether it's actually a band or not because it wasn't it didn't start out as a band but it's a lot of fun so yeah uh, i was might... just i was just gonna ask how it uh how it all came together with that one well i you know ed uh, from the Cobains has always been around the scene with me. Uh, he, him and Marky would often help out on the Jughead's basement. And, you know, when we used to do shows, they would yeah. come and lend, lend equipment and help out and clean and stuff. And Maria, when she moved here, started doing that too. Um, and then when I got back from Japan, I had, I had some bad stuff, shit go down that I, I won't get into, but I think Eddie sort of sensed that. And he was like, why don't you just come and, you know, play with us for a night in Marky's studio and, and I did. So I had to write a song for that. And I was like, I was dealing with the anger that I, I had in me. So I just started writing funny, angry songs. And uh, and we just started recording them. But the idea was that I would write them and we would learn them the night and record them. So it's all done really quickly. Like every song on that EP is like written that day and recorded that night. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys like actually going to plan on like playing shows and stuff? Or that's what you said you were deciding that? Yeah, that's what we're deciding. Uh, Eddie, Eddie really wants to, and I really want to. Uh, Marky and Maria have uh, other pursuits. You know, Maria has Sex Dream, which she's uh, it's a really good band, and she's yeah, it's a great band. So we're just discussing now whether we can do gigs and just have people step in for them when they can't do it and things like that. But it's undetermined right now. But we will do another record, and it's going to be a one-sided picture disc called One Sided. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be all songs about one a person's one one person's point of view, but each song will be a different like person's point of view. So one sided. Yeah, for it being a really hardcore driven, poppy Ramonesy type thing, it's actually very conceptual, and very artsy. <laughs> That's great. I can respect that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you can tell a lot like, of thought goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of bands kind of lack that these days unfortunately so that's awesome it's definitely glad to see that yeah i i would see that i mean i i do tend to in my all of my arts do tend to you know do deep dives into things um i try to write surface but i don't know there's something in me that i just dwell on things sometimes to my own detriment but it's just it's the way i work (laughs) i I was gonna ask a question so so when you're when you're writing these songs, are you writing them with the group or you're alone? Is it an idea you have that comes from words and then you write the riff around that? Well, mitochondriacs, you know, each band is a little bit different, but mitochondriacs is basically that Eddie, Maria and Marky trying to back me up. So it's, I, I, I write the songs myself and then bring them to them and they, you know, 
the parts are really simple. So it's not like I would say they're writing their own parts, but they're basically doing it the Ramones do and they just follow exactly what I you know, play already. Right. Um, so it, it, I would say it's, it's all my stuff for mitochondriacs, but I, I, I don't like being a one person band. So it, it becomes something else once they start, you know, working on it with me. Right. I know what you're saying. Do you think you'll do any acoustic stuff with those guys? Um, I've already added some acoustic elements into it. More as a like shock value for, for how hardcore the songs are. <laughs> um, but I have no idea. I don't really have a, a guiding light for Mido, except that it's supposed to be purposely uh, reimagining my Boogada days, basically is the idea of the band. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Earlier today, I was listening to when you were interviewing, I think it was Larry Livermore on your podcast. And uh, he got brought up about the when you guys first went to California and you played with Corrupted Morals and Operation Ivy. And uh, anyways, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, what was that like? <laughs> That's your question? <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot my question, so that was my, uh, that was my uh, ultimate question. What was that hey, like? Don't, don't mind him. He's, he's fueled by Michelob Ultra. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I often, I get a lot of those early shows mixed up because we played with a, a few different bands. We would, you know, pretty much go all the way out to California just to play Berkeley, uh, Gilman Street. But that one, um, I was friends with the, I can't remember his name now, I was friends with the leader of Corrupted Morals. So I got them on the bill. And then uh, Operation Ivy just happened to be on the bill because Larry was, you know, in conversations with them. Um, that was pretty amazing. You know, I mean, I think Operation Ivy had already played here. I can't remember because we booked their one and only show like in the suburbs here. Um, okay. okay. So I think I remembered my question. Okay, good. It's like a, I was, I was it just was filling, a, I was filling time for you to <laughs> follow up question. It was a two parter. Okay. So sometimes a statement that, that, okay, that must've been amazing. Okay. So if you could book a show with, <laughs> with two with two current bands with the mitochondriacs like any bands who would you pick and would it be equally like epic oh i don't know i don't you know i i wish i had my hand on the pulse of like newer bands because i would select newer fun bands um but if you're talking about like people i've played with in the past and who i'd like to play with again it would probably be uh some of my own bands. I'd love to play with even Blackouts and the Mopes and Mitochondriacs, I think would be fun. That would be that cool. Would, that would oh, be yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I just like, I like playing, so I, I wouldn't, I would like, a, a perfect bill for me would to be busy the whole time and play the whole time, so. Mm. I think I saw something recently about a, doing a reunion. I don't know how true that is, but. Well, Jesse spoke on Facebook the other day that people are blowing that out of proportion. I guess he ran into uh, Lint or, you know, Tim Armstrong on the street. Uh-huh. And they decided to do a uh, a song for a benefit that uh, Tim was doing, so it was just a it was just a one off thing, so far at least. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, I, I read it was going to be like a whole reunion thing, but I guess yeah, as usual. Know, sometimes you don't know what Jesse. Sometimes he's trying to hide things because he likes to stay private. And sometimes it's just what it is. Yeah, uh, but at, his statement now is that it was just a one time thing, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, okay. Cool. It was cool. It was cool to see. That was for sure. I enjoyed watching the video. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't. I haven't oh no! No, I'm surprised it's all over Facebook. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I've I, seen it. I, I've seen it on Facebook. I just haven't. Uh, I tend. I yeah. tend not to watch videos much on Facebook. <clears throat> yeah, sure, sure. The interview you did with Jesse was really good on your podcast. Oh, thank you. That was. I think I had done a couple like it before, like with. Um, why do I always forget his name? No, uh, 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 Teenage Bottle Rocket. Uh, 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 why am I forgetting his name? I do it all the time. Cody? No, the other one. I always think of his brother <laughs> instead of him. <laughs> He's actually a really good Ray? friend of mine. Yeah, Ray. I can't. Why do I forget his name? He doesn't look like a Ray to me. I think that's why I never <laughs> remember it. Um, uh-huh. But what I was getting at is I did a couple of uh, one-on-one interviews beyond my like album dissections I've been doing for like seven years, eight years. Um, I just started doing these one-off things because we were in the pandemic times. And um, 
I think Jesse, I just called him up and said, Hey, I want to do not really an interview, just a conversation with you. And he said, okay. So I didn't have anything planned, but luckily I, you know, I know him well enough and he knows me. So we just talked and it, I, I, I hooked onto something that I really liked this, an element of, uh, just learning about punks by not really talking about punk was kind of my idea. That's and, kind of what we are about, honestly, because like we have a lot yeah, of people this... in the community, uh, but we, we touch on music, but it's never like the main focus. And that's something that I really like is like, I like meeting people in the punk community, but like outside of like their music and their bands, like more of a personal level. Uh, that for me is just like a treasure in itself. Yeah, I, you know, of course, as a podcast interviewee, I, I try to balance it, but cause especially if I don't know the person or know their music, I'll ask musical questions. But mm-hmm. I always try to get the, like, I'll have it all, lot, lots of questions written out and notes everywhere. But the the key for me is to watch them and, you know, I don't know, find something that I that I, I find interesting within them and how they're responding and start devising questions around the moment instead of, you know, the past yeah so yeah well i guess i have a question about your past something that really intrigued me about you is like your nice your, segue your, <laughs> your, <laughs> we don't your, do that what you do your career and and uh theater and yeah. your improv is that something you still do um not as much anymore but you know i just got done from doing uh uh the you know, the Ollivander's wand keeper in Japan for the last seven years. So I did like 50 hours a week of theater for about That's the last incredible. six years. So it's kind of, I feel like I'm taking a little bit more of a musical turn and um, I have a publisher now too. So I'm trying to get to work on some books. So theater is basically now surfacing as a, a tool in which to get information out of the people I'm interviewing. It seems a good tool to use for some reason. So follow-up question. Um, how do you feel about musicals? I I um I'm very picky about musicals. I like Are musicals, you? but I tend to um not like a lot of the classics, but there's a couple of classics I like. Like I like almost like rock operas like Jesus Christ Superstar, Godspell, uh things like that. Uh another one of my favorites is Cabaret, but uh they're usually they have to have like something dark in them that uh, to, for me to like it. Okay, sure. Um, but overall, I you know I don't find myself going you know wanting to go to Broadway and go to you know, oh. all the musicals that are there, but I don't mind them. Yeah, they're not my favorite cool. types of theater, but you know they're good. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> this whole question was just so he could say I like them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, my, I was trying to get someone. A- it's an ongoing joke. He uh, yeah. he he loves musicals. I hate musicals. We argue about it. So yeah. he's always trying to get people on his side. So well, I don't I don't think I'm a, I'm probably more on his side than yours then. But I I just don't like <laughs> I don't know I don't like a lot of the like the the classics that a lot of people talk about like Carousel mm-hmm. and Kissing Cousins and I don't know. But I like I like the ones that always had a little bit of rawness to them. Like I said, like Cabaret or You're in Town, which my friend mm-hmm. wrote. Um, so I, yeah, I, I do. I, and then now that I, uh, if you're dating, here's, here's for you guys, if you want to know, if you're dating a Japanese woman, you're eventually going <laughs> to watch a lot of, uh, Disney movies. They're all obsessed with Disney. So I've been, oh you know, watching, God. rewatching a lot of those musicals and they're actually really fun. Like even those high school musical movies that they do is, you know, <laughs> I mean, they got billions you're of dollars. Enough. Right. Yeah, got billions of dollars, so you're gonna watch something that has some talent in it. So I actually get enjoyment out of it, but it's not something I would pursue on my own to go see a musical. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I actually had a question, and I, I'm sure you've answered this a million times, but where did the nickname Jughead actually come from? No, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't even mind stereotypical questions because I, I, I like through improv, I try to actually answer them a little bit differently each time. And this one, I would say, um, when we started the band, we, you know, we were called All Night Garage Sale, and 
there wasn't any sense of band names, but once we came up with Weasel, Screeching Weasel, that the idea of band names surfaced. And I already had been uh, wearing this Jughead shirt to rehearsals because it's really bizarre and strange and bright yellow and weird. <laughs> and I, I liked weird stuff like that. Um, so people started calling me Jughead and I juggled a lot. So it was like juggling Jughead and, you know, juggles and things like that. So, oh, so when we, when we did the first record, I think Ben just threw those names on there and I would go between being John Jughead and Jughead and, um, okay. that's how it so he, uh, he, he was the first one to put it on a record, but it had already been in the air as, as if you will. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool that you were always the different one that didn't look like the typical punk rocker. Didn't wear like the, the. Uh, what's it called the uh, dress code you know yeah i've never even juggled. uh i juggled yeah i juggled at the show <laughs> <laughs> well then i i also heard in another interview how, how ben wanted you to be like everyone to dress like the riverdales after he did that and he said no and i thought that was really cool of you, you know, yeah like, nah. yeah something about him really changed where he wrote originally the dress code as kind of like a tongue-in-cheek parody but then he kind of fell into it i don't know how it happened during the riverdales and i don't know what happened to those guys but something changed in all three of them after that time and then he just came back with this you know passion to be like a have us all look the same in the band and i i, I rebelled and said that's always been the opposite of what we've you and i have always talked about mm -hmm. yeah so we had a yeah i wouldn't say we had a bad big battle over it but it was pretty it was pretty ugly well, it's cool you stood your ground. Yeah, 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 definitely. yeah I did. I don't, I don't even wear jeans. That's what I even said. I, I had to even borrow a pair for that Ramones cover album. <laughs> for the Ramones cover, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a picture of you in jeans. Yeah, in my, um, in my the, the leather jacket I'm wearing isn't even like a punk leather jacket. It's like this disco jacket that my sister had so that's even cooler <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome that's so great oh, yeah. i don't know i don't know i just never really i don't think i've ever really paid attention to fashion in music and it's the one part of it i never no matter what scene i was in i just didn't really get into that i started working you know during metal i would wear the uh concert shirts so i did get into that aspect of like metal sure. like like always wearing concert shirts but out of high school, I just I didn't see the sense for that that anymore for me. I can I guess respect it makes that. Sense. It makes sense though, because if that's what you do, I mean, you don't need to dress like it. Yeah, I mean, my mom my my, my mom said something funny to me one time, and she's great. She never has like told me what to do with my life. She has things she mm -hmm. wants me to do, like be a teacher and stuff. But one day, <laughs> when when I had really long hair, one day she goes, she said to me, it was ridiculous because she's never seen the band or anything. But she's like, you only have long hair because you're in a band. I go, Mom, I think I'm the only one in my whole scene. It, she wouldn't know what that word meant, but right. <laughs> that even has long hair at this point. You know, it's not, it's definitely not because of fitting in with my band. Right. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But in the early days, you know, in the early days, we did all have long hair. Like Vinny had long hair. I had long hair in band. And then, you know, then it started getting uh, like panic. When panic and happened and then they started getting like haircuts and dyed hair and stuff like that and i was just never into it oh long hair is coming back man this to the jasons <laughs> like the prime example yeah <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's uh, why i've gone back beard. yeah maybe that's why i've gone back to short hair now yeah you, <laughs> long hair is making a comeback beard <laughs> what oh, i had to, well that's it is i had to have long hair and a wizard beard for six years so now i'm like get it off <laughs> yeah you're enjoying it being clean for a minute yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i i never got into the whole dress code thing either i never understood it i mean i i am guilty i had a mohawk at one state yeah i don't you know i'm not you know it it falls into that camp of just trying to fit in you know people are always just trying to fit in and oh absolutely and and that's a part of it i mean you know that's that's the one aspect of like the uh, you know, the straight edge skinheads that I did understand in that day is that I didn't like it that everyone was wearing the same clothes and criticizing others for drinking and stuff, but I understood it. They're trying to find, mm. you know, discover who yeah. they are. You look to your friends as, you know, influences. Um, but you got to move past that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what one person I, I want to talk to is, uh, 
Is your is a Ian? Is Ian Pierce here in the house? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's hey, funny. Can, can we get in touch with Ian for a minute? That's funny you say that because a couple of my actors, especially this my friend Mark Montgomery, when when we're having a argument in uh, in in our rehearsals, he would uh-huh. like put his you know he would put his hand over his eyes as if he's looking to the distance, and he would go like Ian. <laughs> I, I, I admire the fact that you that you do improv because I, I fucking love improv. Like my uncle my uncle did it in, in Louisville for years and watching the show Who's Line, I have a huge appreciation for any way I can do it because it's 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 not easy. No, and, it's not at all. And I'm not even and, great I'm not even great I at mean, it, but uh, to, I to, it, yeah. To think on your feet like that and to come up with something on the spot is I mean, you you have to you have to have that that it factor, and the fact that you do it is is amazing. No, I was just, the thing that is uh, has actually come in handy with me with that and the interviewing I'm doing. I realized the other day, and it comes up in conversations. Is what one of the things that improv teaches you to do is how to be spontaneous. What well, that's obvious, you know, you need to be spontaneous, but it's actually learning how to be in like a split brain situation because you actually have to have something watching where you're going what's the past of the scene what's the future who are these people to me on stage uh so you're learning how to do that but also in the moment be there with them which really works with interviews because i have to be listening to them but also there has to be that other part of me that's wondering where is it where's it going and how do i get it to where i want it to go and what does this have to do with our next question and on you know all the rest so it's really come in handy with the the interview work that i do i'm taking notes as as you speak i'm taking notes <laughs> fucking believe me but 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 who who is ian who's i mean it's your it's your alias for for who who, who you write under but who is he yeah for plays it was my alias um in Originally, when I I had almost graduated college at Columbia and I didn't do anything, I just went there to learn and I, I didn't audition for anything. I didn't, you know, I just didn't do anything. So I asked my guy who was in charge of the department, who was also the guy who started Second City, if I could just stage some stuff. So I, I, I got some friends together and stage stuff. And on the flyer, it was called The Philosophy of Hope and Non-Things. I had directed by and then blank there and written by blank. And one of them, I just put Ian Pierce. <laughs> and uh, but I, and then it became my idea is like, oh, I would just, I'll just write under this fun name. And because I like playing with it. Like, I, I love the, I, well, there's a lot more complexity to it. Like, Ian Pierce is basically the root of John Pearson. Like, it, if, what I say, metaphorically, it takes away the father. It takes away the history. Because the, the root for John is Jan, which is Ian. And Pearson is actually just the son of Pierce, which was the Pierce clan and like, you know, wherever England was back in the day. So the idea was that I would remove my influences and try to write from a objective point of view, which is impossible. And I knew that at the time, but it was kind of fun playing with this idea that I was writing from something beyond myself. That That's really cool. I, I, you know, I just read a Bob Dylan quote that's something like similar. It says, you can only speak the truth when you're wearing a mask or something like along those lines, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, because you become a voyeur and you have to, you have to study things from the outside. But the, the problem with that is sometimes you miss what's on the inside and then you get it wrong. But that's, that's kind of the balance balancing act you try to do is try to be a part of life, but also observe it. And once again, that's the same thing like improvisation too. So yeah. So sure. Ian came out of that and I wrote, I wrote like 20 plays under the name Ian Pierce that went wow. up in Chicago. And then I, I killed him off in a show. And then uh, then I've just, I haven't, I haven't gone back to that. My friends are really upset that I haven't gone back to theater, but I just don't, I don't feel inspired anymore to write full length plays anymore. That's, that's also another like long process, I bet as well as the right plays. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the right time right now for me. And I mean, we, I had my day with that and it was, it's really great. It's great to, I don't know, be in a, in a group of people in a school that promotes, like ensemble work. So I would just write shit that was in my head and I had no idea what it was. And then I would bring it to friends and they'd act it. And then we'd fin- finesse it, you know, make it more intentional. 
Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, but then I, uh, I just couldn't do it anymore at one point and moved on to different types of theater. That's, that's great. That's so, that's, that's just mind blowing. It's, I envy <laughs> that because I, I love, I fuck, I love theater. I love it all. I did it in high school, which means nothing, but, um, it's just, it's cool to hear about. Like you, you don't hear a lot of people talk about theater anymore. Like their yeah. experiences. So it's strange. It's, it's, it's cool, and it's strange too because I'm actually more well known in Chicago for theater companies than I am music. You know, yeah. I, I, I could see that because it, our music is such a little niche, so you know. Yeah, yeah. To a degree, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I went all the way through Columbia being, uh, you know, touring with Weasel, and I would come back and go to school. And my friend Mark Montgomery was in lots of my shows. Didn't even know. I was in Screeching Weasel and he actually went to a show at Dirty Nelly's like in 89 or somewhere around there. So he huh. actually saw me. And then I, and then I looked through all these photos I had and there's a picture of me and him before I knew him like at Dirty Nelly's. <laughs> but, but that's kind of, I, I kind of thrived on that. I like being uh, invisible in my own, you know, trying to re not only recreate myself, but to reprove myself, you know, like not rely on something I'd done before. So what what's going on with you and your and your lady? I, I know right now she's unfortunately back in Japan, right? Yeah, yeah, we're trying to get her back here. Right now they're they they weren't during the pand pandemic giving out visas at all. Uh, so if someone was going to travel, they had to do it on a passport, which means they can only could stay three months. Mm -hmm. So she so she had came here for three months and had to go back and then. She had to quarantine for two weeks in Tokyo. It was pretty horrible. And oh, like geez. a wow. Outside Yeah, she couldn't even leave her like little teeny it was almost like a cell. It was like a little teeny room with a hard bed and she was oh, there man. for ten, uh, ten days. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we're trying to get her back because the Japan hasn't opened up its borders yet. So I, I, there's not even there's no way someone can even get in right now. Oh man. Yeah, this whole pandemic stuff is crazy. Yeah, yeah, she's frustrated, and like you know, I'm a little, I'm older than her, so I, you know, time means something different to me than it does to her. But I keep mm -hmm. trying to tell her like, we're dealing with things that aren't normal. Like, if we were in a normal situation, I'd, I'd be there with you, or you'd be here with me. You know, it's not like this isn't happening because our relationship. It's happening because the world is fucked up right now. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's kind of cool. But like we, we find other ways. We Skype like 10 hours a day, like really not even exaggerating. <laughs> that's so, cool. That's yeah. So it, if you could, would you be there or would you rather have her here? I, I thought it would be that I would be there. But when she was here, she really enjoyed being in my house, meeting my friends. So I think we're going to try that first. And then uh, but I think eventually I would move back to Japan with her. Right on. Do you think yeah, that your job would be waiting for you in Japan? Could you go back to doing the same thing? Would you want to? Well, Universal Studios is they don't really like having people there for a long time because they like to have uh, authority over their actors and stuff. So they give you these 10 month contracts and then you have to re audition. Oh. Then you have to re audition again every time. So you don't they don't really like you having any kind of authority or built up. Uh, I don't know what, you know, whatever you get from being a job for a long time. So every Security. time, yes. Yeah, so it's new every time mm -hmm. um, I auditioned and I actually got in, but then the, well, what was that one called? The Omicron happened and then they canceled it all. So mm. yeah, it sucked because mm. I was going to be able to be there again for another 10 months, you know, paid and we'd be able to live together, but then it, it fell through. Oh, I was going to say, you were supposed to do a rad show with Grim Deeds in California that also got canceled right at the beginning of all this, right? Yeah, I had a show with him and one with uh, Jay Prozac. Um, there's a couple others. There's basically, I wanted to really give, give into that thing that I do occasionally, which is play with random people and do like weasel covers and just have a good time. And then I would probably do like a short spoken word and stuff like that. So I had like four of them scheduled. And then, that was like I, the coolest thing. And then it was like, oh man. Yeah, I got home in March. I got basically got kicked out of Japan because my contract was up. And uh, I got here and everything. Then I was one of the first that started canceling gigs because I saw how it was in Japan and I knew it was, I knew what was coming. I yeah. knew how bad it was going to get. So I started canceling these 
talking to the promoters and saying, this is not going to happen. So we might as well just stop it now. And then I, I was sitting here in my, my, my house and I'm sitting in right now. And I was like, what am I doing? I, I like, I, I, my girlfriend's in Japan. I don't have anything to do here now. So I bought a flight and went back and then I got trapped there for six months, but we, we were together, which is kind of nice. But so I was quarantined there for and stuck there for six months. Holy shit. So this is news to me, but you work at Universal? Yeah, yeah. yeah he, well, was you, a, he was a wizard. Yeah, I I'm worked sorry, at... Uh, no, I was uh, Ollivander in the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Japan. Yeah. No shit. I didn't oh, wow. know that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I had to learn Japanese because the show is wow. completely, completely in Japanese and it's, it has audience intera- interactions, so you have to like really learn the language. How how long were like your shows like with like fifteen minute like uh, intermissions and stuff for the next one or? Uh, there was, you know, it's a theme park, so they were. Sh- my show was anywhere from five to seven minutes, and then we did. Oh, about, okay. We did about twenty of them a day, so I did about like a, I did it about a hundred times a week at least. Wow. I, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. That was just really cool to. <laughs> no. cool to find out. Yeah, it was a cool job. It was exhausting though. Yeah, because... I bet. Yeah, because I'm one of those, like I said, I have improv background, so I want to make every single one of those shows different and interesting, but within the confines of, you know, their strict policies and stuff like that. So it's was, it was pretty draining. So do you all play the... guitar when you're over there? When you're, with, when you're in Japan, do you have a guitar that you have set up over there and stuff? Or I, I brought, the first time I went there, I brought, like, everything. I brought, like, a banjo, a mandolin, a guitar. And I didn't use any uh-huh. of that. I didn't use any of it, really. Because <laughs> um, you're, you're busy having fun, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I like hiking in Japan, so I would go hiking instead of just sitting home by guitar. But I did. I ended up just being a, an acoustic guitar player. I didn't have an amp or anything. I would just bring my acoustic. And then I have friends that are in punk bands there, so they would ask me to play with them. So I, 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 I've played all over. And then even the Blackouts did, a like, a two-week tour there. But hell, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, what kind of acoustic guitar do you do you prefer or do you have? What do you What do you use? I'm, I'm have... a guitarist, so I, I want to ask you like some nerd questions like this. Yeah, you can ask me nerd questions, but you're not going to be you're not going to be fulfilled or. <laughs> <laughs> you still have blue balls, is what he's saying. <laughs> yes, you're going to have guitar guitar talk blue balls because I uh, I really don't. I really don't have a preference over anything. I just don't like, um, I always, I, I, even it's fun now because it's kind of a joke because it's what a lot of, you know, of Ramon's core people like, but I don't like the, um, I just forgot the name of it. I, I think I try to block it out of my head. The, the Ramon's guitar. I can't stand that guitar. So that's the only oh, guitar. I, only guitar I won't play is the most right. Acoustics. I'm a little bit more, picky i have i like martins um i like the smell of the wood it's usually really nice wood (laughs) um but i I, because of even blackouts i needed a thin body acoustic which are harder to make sound better uh, sound good so i i purchased for more definition or is that is that why you went with a thin body so you could hear more no because no 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 i wanted a thin body because we were jumping around stage and the idea of the band was that we would move like we were a punk band playing punk instruments, but that we would have acoustics. Uh, so I, I had to get one that I like the one I liked the most was my uh, ovation, which has those stupid round backs that like slide off your lap. And <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's and, like, oh, like a, yeah, like and you U. can't you, you can't play standing up too well with it. So I, I started I gravitated to these. uh black martins these flat black martins that they don't even make anymore and uh, but that's the only guitar i truly would say that i really like i still have it it's beaten the shit but i, I duct taped it and all this stuff but so, so you just um, play what like whatever guitar for the mitochondriacs or do, you, or do you have one like this is my this is the one i'm gonna play no marky i he just hands me one in the studio and i just play it um they, <laughs> oh. they made a guitar for me that we use live um, but I don't even know what that is. It's like a fake Gibson called Gibson or something like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember seeing it. That's cool. 
Yeah. So I've never, I've never really been attached to that. Like I would, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll change that. I'm, I get very attached to instruments, but it doesn't have anything to do with like what brand they are or how they sound. Mm-hmm. Like I, I used my Weststone that I had for most of the Weasel albums up until like Bark Like a Dog. And that was like a hundred dollar guitar. That was a piece of shit. And I made my amp. I made my amp almost like Brian May, but without the knowledge. <laughs> cool. That's I just took cool. a I took a DJ speaker I had and because I used to DJ and I took the tweeter, uh, you know, speaker, uh, the DJ amp and the tweeter speaker, and then just plugged this teeny decade into it, uh, PB decade, and that's what I <laughs> so used for old... most oh, of the yeah, Weasel records so cool. too. Yeah, I eventually got the I inherited the Marshall from Riverdale's the the band. You know, once we got back together after that, so. I moved up to the Marshall, but I still don't really like it. I just don't, I just don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, I, I, I appreciate the honesty because, you know, for the, I, I really don't either. I, I just like a guitar as long as it has a humbucker in, you know, that's all I yeah, care about. Yeah, I, I've been taught to care about that. Like for, even from the beginning, people would say humbucker. And it, once I got the SGs, I think they don't come with humbuckers naturally or do they? Because I had them custom so that they have humbuckers in them mm-hmm. i think i don't know i don't like i said i don't know enough about the sgs but i like the sg because my brother liked sgs and i liked uh bon scott angus. not not bon yeah. scott i mean uh <laughs> not bon scott is a singer right angus yeah, yeah yeah so that when we got back together for bark like a dog we we got like a big budget from um fat so we bought a bunch of new equipment and i got like two custom sgs and then destroyed cool. one by the i destroyed one of them by the end of that year <laughs> really <laughs> yeah. that's cool and do you still have the other one no I, I i i gave it to a friend so yeah that's what i tend to do too is give my stuff away a lot too so I'll take I'll take anything if you ever get any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a beat up ovation. Uh, I'll put my address in the, end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I still have that beat. Up, I still have that beat up ovation. I've actually I'm looking at it now. That first one that I ever got for even a blackouts is it's, it's if, sitting if you in the corner. Play a little something for us. That's fine. Oh, you, you know. couldn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just yeah. kidding. You, you couldn't play that guitar. It actually <laughs> has no strings anymore. <laughs> So uh, do you, do you do you like still attend shows anymore, or are you just like just just like playing when you can? Well, I would say part of it is being a short guy. I've never really enjoyed shows because I can't see because <laughs> I'm very short. So it was never really fun to go to shows to begin with. When I started uh, booking them, and you know, we brought in people like Crim Shrine and Operation Ivy and Green Day and all that. It was fun because I would just do sound and sit back there and watch there but i've never really been much on attending no shows i i like i love playing them but i just i'm spoiled i'd rather be on stage than at a show <laughs> it makes sense you're like i could do better than that <laughs> give me that fucking guitar give me that. <laughs> well, most of the time i'm like i cannot do better than that but i want to be up there anyway <laughs> <laughs> My my best friend growing up, his father was a cop, so he would uh, what do you call it? At night he would work at the uh, he worked at the the big uh, Rosemont Theater back in the day, and so I would go to a lot of concerts. But I, it kind of wore off by the time I was like seventeen years old. Yeah, Nick, you're gonna ask him. Oh, I was just gonna bring up. Uh, I I heard him mention the term Ramon score earlier, and I wanted to touch on that briefly. Yeah. <laughs> So, what's your opinion on that term, John? I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. it, it it's kind of funny because the uh, Huntingtons have been uh, messaging me a lot to be on the show, and I just I don't really like Ramon's core stuff. So I was just honest with them and said I don't really like that style of music. So if you want to come on and defend, or we could talk about that, and they agreed to it because they want to be on the show. So I'm gonna probably have a whole episode where I talk to them about uh, Ramon's core and what it means and why a band would do it and why I have problems with it. I don't, I was you just know, curious. E- everyone, everyone is influenced. <laughs> everyone is influenced by other bands. And I really think Riverdale's besides my, I think, you know, I'm, I'm one-sided on this because 
I have problems with Riverdale's in general, but I just thought it kind of ruined the idea of bringing your own other influences into a band. And I don't know. I, the idea, the Ram- who's going to do it better than Ramones? That's that's all I got to say, really. That is true. I, I can't argue with that. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple oh. that did it really well. Like the Hanson brothers, like are pretty great. Like, and they did a rate. Oh yeah, they're solid. They, they did it early on before Ramones core was even a thing, but I've never really heard a Ramones core band that I really like. I even get, it's known that I get mad at the Mangies that they sound so much like the Ramones. Cause I think Andre is one of the best singers in punk and a great writer. And then they just get obsessed with this Ramones sounding stuff. And I lose interest. I actually did not like that band up until recently. Uh, yeah. Scott Scott actually kind of got me into them. So it was my fault, though. I never really gave him a fair shot, and then Scott kind of nagged me for it, and I listened if to them. One, and... Yeah, there's one thing about me is I'm very easy going when it comes to music. There's not much I don't like out there. I'm easy to please. Yeah, I guess mine is that I don't know. I don't. You know, I I'm I'm going to have to. I wish I had better answers for you about it because. I am actually going to start thinking about it a lot the next couple of weeks before that interview, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't excite me. I, I, I don't know. Well, can I ask you a generic question? Yeah. Since we're talking about like Ramon score and stuff. Um, what are your top five favorite albums? Uh, I'm curious what, what your answers are going to be. Um, well, I hate these type of questions, but I will answer it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> And this this list will only be for this podcast and will not be valid after this date. But uh, noted, Nick, write well, that down. Do do you Got want it. do you want punk bands or do you want I, just any, just anything? Whatever. I would say anything, your, yeah. whatever comes to mind. Yeah, it doesn't have to be punk. All right. My some of my top ones are uh, "Stand Up" by Jethro Tull, uh, Queen. Two, uh, probably my top two favorite albums. Um, I love uh, Adrenaline OD's Humongous Fungus Among Us. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Um, that's three. I'm done. I'm looking around. Which one should I? <laughs> oh, Cat I, 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 Stevens, probably. I don't know which one to say. Probably the. They. Finally compiled the soundtrack for Harold, Harold and Maude, so I would probably say the Harold and Maude soundtrack. Okay. And, uh, Solid pick. Yeah, and I don't know which Nick Drake album I would say. Probably um, there's one called uh, Moon Moon something. I can't remember right now. Nice. Well, but that would be it. Yeah, Nick, Nick Drake, Cat Stevens, Adrenaline OD, Queen, and Jethro Tull. So there you go. Solid. Can, that, can you some... now do the five favorite punk? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is a two-part question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, for some reason, when, when you said you were looking around, I was like, well, he's going to say the doors. Because he's going to see a door at some point. <laughs> I'll see a door. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking like, around. Oh, the door. There's a door. Oh, I, I still have my Christmas tree up. So the screaming trees, the uh, cranberries, yeah, the, oh, the exploding hearts. I have a Valentine's heart over here. And the toasters. Toasters. Actually, I have a I have a waffle maker in my living room. So I don't know if there's a band called the Waffles. There I'm sure there is. Here's a new project. Get on it, John. <laughs> That's like what is that? What's that movie where the uh, uh, what's that classic movie where the the guy is weaving the story and he but they realizes he's looking around the room and he's just it was, oh it, yeah yeah yes what, what is Kaiser that? Sose Kaiser Sose and what's that called that movie Usual Suspects yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> But he's, you know, they, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah usual suspects. So they figure out that he's just weaving it together from all things that are on the wall. So uh, that's, fine. that's, that's kind of great that you're anybody. Uh, okay. Now I'm going to do that. Now, for whenever anybody asks me at my top five, I'm just going to start <laughs> naming things that are around me. <laughs> you know, the waffle makers, the yeah. El Rancho, <laughs> El Rancho Doritos, the Nintendo Switches. <laughs> 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 
Coffee tables, they're a pretty good band. Yeah, the coffee table, yeah. <laughs> the woven chairs, they're pretty cool. <laughs> the green walls, the random painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the foots, yeah, the knees, oh, the, those are great ones. <laughs> the brooms. The ovations. <laughs> yeah, the brooms, the mops. You start a band called the ovations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> The closets, those are their great band. <laughs> That's and awesome. once again, oh. as someone had said, I think all of these, if you Google search, they're probably all out of these bands, too. <laughs> yeah, they are. But I'm really into the waffles. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised that there wasn't a band called the Mitochondriacs yet. There's an album called the Mitochondriacs, but not a band that I know of. That's at least on Google. Well, I, I'm musically declined, but I always thought a great band name would be the Studley Do-Rights. But it's just going to sit there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Just gonna sit there. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. I just, I just, I just shared that. I thought that'd be that's a great yeah. name. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Let's see. There you go. <laughs> fuck you guys. Didn't land, did it? Did not. Not as good as the woven chairs and the fucking toasters. <laughs> so talking. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, in the vein, of, in the vein of Jack Black, I'll say, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh. oh man. You guys, you guys just leave me here going without me. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, talking talking about music, uh, how exactly did you get into punk rock? Um, I, I, there's, there's a couple different threads I can weave together. There is, oh, there's a pun because I was actually doing a latch hook when I was a kid, uh, which is, I don't know if you saw them, but you take little pieces of thread and you weave them through this, uh, like a graph and it comes out like a rug. I, oh, I used yeah. to do it just, I used to do it just to calm down and I would sit there for like hours and hours and do that. And I had this little robot transistor radio and then this song came on that i'd never heard before and it was the uh the clashes uh should i stay or should i go and i was really impressed with how i had never heard a voice like that before like it, it was not i was surprised it was on the radio because he he specifically i actually think he's a really good singer like mick jones but on that specific song he's purposely almost sounding horrible almost like you know is that Daltrey on the Who's uh, next, or generation type of thing, you know, where yeah, yeah, uh, and I, that it, that's one of my earliest memories of thinking about punk rock. But then I can tie it more directly to uh, Repo Man. Me and my friends in high school went to go see the movie Repo Man. Ah, uh, okay. And then uh, we discovered like Circle Jerks and you know Fear and, and all, a lot of all those L.A. bands. Yeah, the Ramones had always that's been there awesome. too. Like that's... I knew the Ramones. Yeah, but the Ramones weren't the big influence for me. For Ben, it was, but for me, it was, it was more like Circle Jerks. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's kinda... they, they had the cassette that was like, uh, wasn't it? No, that was was it the Dead Kennedys? It was blank on one side, or the Circle Jerks? It was just repeated the whole album on each side. Mm, maybe I do not know. I think it was Dead Kennedys. They they left one side blank. Oh, if I'm nice. if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I'd have to look it up off the top of my head. I I, I just think it's them. Sounds yeah, familiar. It is. I remember. I always thought that was cool. Oh. Time for the ambivalence fact, fact check of the name of the, of the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look that up for me. I'm actually really curious now. I will. I, I, I will. I'm almost positive I'll, it was Dead Kennedys. I'll give you a topic. That's always a band I wanted to like more than I did. I've, I always, I always tried to get through and like a full album and I never could. But, uh, I gotta admit, couple... I'm not, I'm not a huge fan myself. Yeah, there's a couple songs I love, like "Police Truck." I think is a like amazing song, great song. Halloween is nice too. There's a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Holiday in Cambodia, We're... but I cannot listen to a full record. It's like the toy dolls. <laughs> I just, I just, I can't listen to a full record because my, I start pulling out my brains when I listen to the toy dolls. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can listen to them in very, very short intervals. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. His voice drives me nuts. So, 
yeah, yeah, both of them have voices that are a little hard to handle. Yeah, but that's uh, that's actually how kind of how I got into punk rock. I was listening to uh, like a college radio station, and I was just it was the first song I heard was uh, Infrared Kids of the '80s, and I was so fucking blown away because I had never heard anything quite like it, and I, I was just sold. I, I sat there and listen to the rest of that show and it was like a college radio show and she played like strictly like hardcore punk rock stuff and i loved it and i would listen every saturday night so that's how i got into it that's how i learned yeah. a lot of bands i listened to yeah we had, we were lucky too because northwestern here you know one of the top schools in the country had uh, a radio station called wnur and uh well yeah they had a hardcore you know, some kid student was into hardcore, had a had a program. So nice. I got a lot I got a lot of my music during those early days of the band from listening to WNUR. Yeah. That's awesome. So hey Scott, any word on that uh back check? I th- I think it's called Engadomy Trust Inc. Mm-hmm. They said that Your they first left album. One, they left one side blank. Um, to ruin the recording industry, <laughs> the home record, home tape. <laughs> yeah, it was something it like says, that. Yeah, it says home taping is killing record industry profits. You left this side blank so you can help. So, <laughs> that's this this evening's fact check. So that's the that's it. Wonderful. I forgot what interview I was doing, but I was talking to someone. Oh, it was um, Rob from uh, Ann Beretta. We were talking about how you could you could put tape over cassettes and you know record over it. So that that left the whole side that that Kennedy's gave for you to be able to record your own music onto. The first time I heard Screeching Weasel, it was on a recorded cassette. It was uh, Queers on one side and Screeching Weasel on the other. And I thought the Queers have really good vocals, and Screeching Weasel they sound great, but the the, the vocalist sounds like he's not really trying. That was my first impression. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, and then, and then my opinion flipped, and then I liked the Screeching Weasel more than the Queer. Mm. You know, that's funny because I mean, I did, I did actually accuse Ben later on. I think it was Television City Dream or one of those later records where we were in the studio working hard, 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 like. Hey, who's washing something? I can't hear myself. Think that's not a washer, dude. <laughs> someone, is, someone is making clouds. I don't know who it is. It ain't me. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about a that. fucking chemistry set going off in this. <laughs> God damn it, Nick! Like fireworks. Quit, make, and... quit making math, Nick. Damn it, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm multitasking. Uh, no, I was just saying that he. We would, uh, me and Mass and Vapid and Panic would like sit there for hours and hours and hours and days and days and days trying to get something right. And then, oh no, it was actually Lumley and uh, it was, yeah, it was Lumley that was with us then. And um, yeah, it was Lumley and uh, Mass. And then he would just, Ben would just come in and sing it quick and, and get out, you know, try to get out of there. And so I would actually think I, I would actually admit to his later stuff being a little lazy, but I don't know what you were listening to when you got had that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that was just my first impression, but then I learned I learned uh, to like that style later on. That maybe that it wasn't that he was trying to not. Maybe he was trying to. I don't know. Never mind. Yeah, no, hey, Nick, I mean, how, I, how many uh, brain cells did you just lose right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could take that somewhere because me and Dr. Frank talked about uh, how I think um, like Frank, Dr. Frank and Ben's understanding of music and what a harmony should be is amazing. It's just that their own vocal cord abilities aren't up to what their knowledge is up to or, you know, their instincts. So mm-hmm. and I think it comes out in the music. You know, the, the, those two guys are definitely singers that struggle with trying to stay in tune. But to me, it adds to the like the tension of the songs, right? Exactly yeah, to the realness. Definitely, of it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of something just being absolutely perfect, and yeah, that's it's not real, you know. Yeah, yeah. No pitch correct for those guys. So next topic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually well, I hate to say it, but I I got to wrap it up pretty soon. I actually have to go to my other job. Oh, uh, you got to work the corners. It's about that time, isn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> gotta, go clean, gotta go clean that blood up. Yeah, I'll clean up the semen. <laughs> no Yikes. semen, blood only. It's only blood. Uh, that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Do you ever taste it? What? <laughs> what? what? No. Well, this no. is good. Excellent. We're gonna stop right here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cut. Print. <laughs> right. That's lunch, people. <laughs> well, I'm glad this Jeez. was not really scripted, and it went. You know, this still went well. That's for John to decide. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you actually did a pretty good job because with I. I don't usually do things with four voices talking because it's hard to choreograph that. So, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, not to. we had a discussion beforehand to not try very hard to not talk over top of each other. So, yeah, <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> it's always difficult when there's that many people trying to hold a conversation, especially yeah. this I'm way. Washing dishes. Right. And if you can't even see each other to give each other like physical cues and stuff like that. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the finger over the mouth. <laughs> or the point you the point like you're next point you're yeah. next you're next yeah that's right we need, like a, we need to put our hands up okay yeah you have a question go ahead you can ask <laughs> well john we i i want to thank you so much for being on this was just a, a pleasure and a delight to talk to you and get to know you yeah um, it was for sure and i the view to take the time to, to sit here for an hour and talk to us was it for me you know, a, a highlight uh, and just amazing. So I want to thank you. And I want to thank Nick Spoon for roping you into this. Um, <laughs> Sorry, good job, John. buddy. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you have anybody to yell at, yell at him for having to nah, put up no, with no, this. I, I, I like doing these. I, I'm surprised I don't get asked more to do these. I think they're fun. Oh, so. hey, you can come back anytime you want. I mean, just <laughs> say the word. I mean, there's that's, that's not even an option, not even a question. Cool. Um, cool. And we hope you had a good time and I know I did, and I want to thank you guys for both being a part of this. And yeah, thanks guys. Yeah, everybody, check out the mitochondriacs. We're gonna play a song by them right now. But we really appreciate you, John. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks guys. It's really yeah, I, I, I love talking, so it was fun. So thank you very much. Yeah, and Absolutely. we will fear your ear holes next week with something different. Mm -hmm. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>